0: Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 205. What is going on? I am Matt O'Leary. I'm going to be hanging out with you for another episode of my favorite episode that I get to record every single week, Just Jets, where we talk with you guys, the fans. We got a couple of voicemails. We have a few topics to get into. I'm excited about it. We're going to start with under-the-radar free agencies, get into Joe Tippmann being honored, as well as your voicemails to close out this lovely program that we call Just Jets. So let's get rocking and rolling again. This time we are going to uh, get into uh, something that I'm excited to talk about, which is something that my good buddy Richie from Jets Media tweeted out. If you're not following Richie on YouTube, Twitter, X, Instagram, wherever else you can get him, make sure to do so. There are very few more positive people on this planet than Richie, my good buddy, excited to do shows with him every Thursday on the Jets round table, but he tweets out name an under the radar free agent that you would like the Jets to sign because we all know the names, right? There's a bunch of guys being floated around in free agency as it's, uh, you know, it's that time of year where everyone is going to get their names out there. And these are the guys that I like. These are the guys that I don't like as much. And, There's a lot of people whose names come up a lot and others who would fall under that category, the the under-the-radar category. But what I wanted to do was give you a few responses as well as my own answer at the end of this. So how do we start this and not talk about Sauce Gardner getting in on the mix? Yes, that's right, the Sauce Gardner, two-time All-Pro, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Sauce Gardner, he chimed in and gave two names on who he thinks the New York Jets should look to add, and that was Calvin Ridley and T. Higgins. Holy smokes, Would I like for the New York Jets to have those guys on their team. I like this GM, Sauce Gardner, almost as much as I like cornerback, Sauce Gardner, but the chances of the Jets being able to land both guys Pretty slim, but let's talk through it. There's a chance that they could land one of those two guys, and I think Sauce gives two pretty good answers. So Calvin Ridley, in his first year back, signed a one-year deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars, played down there with Trevor Lawrence in his first year, put up 1,016 yards and eight touchdowns. That, to me, would be a very nice complimentary piece to go with uh, Garrett Wilson. He has number 1 receiver upside. Calvin Ridley does. But when you pair him with someone who is as good as Garrett Wilson, that only opens him up a little bit more. And also you it's like not like you can completely ignore Calvin Ridley. So uh, the Jets then would get more opportunities to go to Garrett Wilson. If not, Calvin Ridley T. Higgins is a name that we all really like a lot. He was a 2020 draft pick taken with the first pick in the second round by the Cincinnati Bengals. This past year in 12 games had 656 yards. He had five touchdowns in those 12 games. Prior to this year, he had three straight 900 plus yard seasons and he is just 25 years old. I like T. Higgins a lot. I think he is, you know, a good jump ball guy, has a good connection with, uh, Joe Burrow, they obviously have to pay. Uh, they they pay Joe Burrow, and they're gonna have to pay Jamar Chase. The chances of them being able to pay both Chase and Higgins big money probably pretty slim. But man, the thought of Higgins for the next who knows three four years playing with uh, Garrett Wilson, and Garrett Wilson entering his prime, and see Higgins becoming a free agent at twenty five years old is a good thing. It's not like you're paying a receiver, you know, big money at thirty years old, and I think specifically, like Higgins is going to get paid. If he hits the market, he's going to get some pretty big money. Trading for Devontae Adams, he's a little bit on the older side and you have to give up a draft pick. I would still be willing to do it at the right price, but some people are weary of that. If you're looking for a potential high upside guy that might be a little bit cheaper than the T. Higgins of the world or giving up assets in the NFL draft to trade for Devontae Adams, the Calvin Ridley names an interesting one. Again, 1000 yards, eight touchdowns. He's a little bit older. He's 29, but doesn't have the same wear and tear on his body because, you know, he didn't play at all in 2022 and missed five games or only played in five games, excuse me, in 2021. So, uh Kevin Ridley is a real interesting one. I don't know if I would put him as my number 1 choice for the Jets to land at wide receiver. I also like Michael Pittman a lot, but Calvin Ridley would be, an again, like I said, an interesting pivot point for this New York Jets team, and they might very well have to do that. We have a couple more that we will go into before I give my answer on it, because why wouldn't I give my answer on it? It's my show. Why Why wouldn't I get involved? Carlos says Saquon Barkley. This is one that I don't necessarily agree with, because I think he's one i i wouldn't want to spend that kind of money on rb2 the jets just brought in uh what was supposed to be a high end expensive veteran rb2 former you know number one running back saquon barkley uh around the same age as what dalvin cook was uh he was coming off his you know his deal 962 yards this year six touchdowns in 14 games wasn't really utilized a ton as a pass catcher we know how good he can be out of the backfield I think his first two years they did a much better job of getting him the football uh specific his rookie year was his best year by far which usually tends to happen with running backs running backs the rare position where you come in and you do everything in your first four or five years in the league and then after that it really slows down and Saquon's reaching that point he's again 962 yards six touchdowns in 14 games is respectable numbers, right? And he's, you know, 27 or will be 27 relatively soon. I I just don't think that would be the way that I'd want to, the Jets to spend their, their money in free agency. Um, I wouldn't, if you're going to sign a running back instead of drafting another one, like they, Brees Hall, Izzy Abanakan, they're going to be here. They need one more. And I would go with a cheaper route rather than someone like Saquon, who's probably going to be, if not 10 million, up closer to that in the eight million dollar a year plus range, I would rather sign someone in the two to three million dollar range. If you're going with that veteran option, I wouldn't want to spend you know potentially three times that on someone like Saquon. Although a talented player, there's no denying that Saquon's you know not talented, but I, I just don't. I think there's some uh, similar worries with Saquon at this point and the mileage on him. Uh, and him coming in and being the Jets uh, RB RB two behind Brees Hall, so I would pass on Saquon. Big name, I understand it, uh, but I, I would say I would say no. I'm gonna say hard pass for me. NY jokes is up next. He says Darnell Savage, so safety. The Jets very likely could let uh, Jordan Whitehead go in free agency. He signed a two year deal. Uh, had the big three interception game in week one against Josh Allen. My biggest criticism for Jordan Whitehead has been his missed tackles. Uh, every year, it feels like those are a really high number. He missed this past season 18% of his number, uh, 18% of his tackles, which, again, is pretty high. But Darnell Savage missed 18.5% of his tackles, so even more so. I, I'm really good with the. Poor tackling safeties. Um, Savage is, I think he had a good year this past year. The two years before this weren't great. He's a little too streaky for me. I, I don't think I would pay that. I think it would be similar money that, that Savage would get to what, you know, the Jets paid Jordan Whitehead, you know, something like $6 million, seven, $8 million a year. I would rather bring back Chuck Clark on a one-year deal. Even though he missed time, I get that. But he is much more of a sure tackler and I think is a better one-for-one replacement uh, of Whitehead. I think you you have Tony Adams at free safety. Bring back Ashton Davis on the cheap. I I guess if my options are just Darnell Savage or use the same money that Darnell Savage would get, and bring back both Chuck Clark and Ashton Davis, I would rather go that route than the one player who I'm not convinced is that much better than Chuck Clark, if he is even better than than Chuck Clark. Um, so I'm not going to... I'm not in on that one. Slash, he says, Robert Hunt. Now, this one I like uh, for two reasons. One, because the Jets need significant help on the offensive line, and Hunt is one of the best right guards in football but also it weakens the miami dolphins the dolphins are in a spot where they've made the playoffs in back-to-back years they got bounced in the first round in back-to-back seasons uh you know to the to the kansas city chiefs this year to the buffalo bills the year prior and they're kind of in this zone where it's like, what are they gonna do? Are they gonna go all in with Tua, continue to push the chips to the table? They're gonna reset. The cap situation isn't ideal, but there's you know there's always ways to get around it. Restructure guys, cut guys. But if they lose Robert Hunt in free agency and he goes to the New York Jets, like that's one of the the things that I like to look at in free agency is what happens with your division rivals. And if they're losing, you know, a top probably what top 10 guard. Uh, if you want to just isolate right guard, maybe he's a little bit higher than that. Yeah. That significantly weakens the dolphins and that's, you know, the blind side guard to, to, uh, to, to, so maybe that is something that comes into play here as well on that one. But I, I like Robert hunt. That would be someone that I'd be in on. That's not a name I see brought up a lot. The Zeitler is a name that you see all the time at guard. That would be big fish hunting. Um, and I guess that's a good transition to get into mine because my under the radar guy who doesn't get talked about a lot is Graham Glasgow from the Detroit Lions. If you saw my fixing the New York Jets video, I signed him to a contract to play right guard. He's played right guard, left guard and center in his career. He's done. He's played all three. He's a great, great run blocker, which. Again, I know that the Jets could look to improve in pass protection, which is obviously something that they need to do. But how many times have we talked about it now that the identity of this Jets team, and specifically with Robert salas is they want to run the ball, and when they're at their best, they're doing that. And you know, if you sign a Glasgow, let's say, you know, you sign Glasgow AVT uh, to play right guard, AVT plays right tackle, you draft Fashanu to play left tackle. Um, Joe Tittman's your center and you're either bringing back Lakin Tomlinson or replacing him with another guard that offensive lines look going from like 32 to now you're looking like hey can this be a top 20 offensive line look I don't think it's going to go from 32 to 1 overnight I don't think that's fair but if they could salvage this line and be league average to even if it's slightly below average I'm not talking like Go from thirty-two to twenty-nine. That's that's not enough of a jump. But if they go from like thirty-two to eighteen to twenty, even that would be enough of a jump where I think it makes a difference because of who's playing quarterback. The Jets had uh, Zach Wilson at quarterback and Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon. If you don't think quarterback play impacts the offensive line, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It does. Uh, it's a mutual relationship. The offensive line also impacts. Uh, quarterback play, but it, it is also the other way around, too. So, um, Graham Glasgow is my guy for that. I I, I like him and kind of think of like when the Jets brought in Alan Fanica at the end of his career. Now, I'm not saying that Graham Glasgow is going to the Hall of Fame like Alan Fanica, but similar guy, you know, short term, you know, two year kind of deal, finish his career out with the New York Jets of at a veteran presence, a good run blocker to pair with uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. That could be a lot of fun. All right, let's get into the second thing that I wanted to do in this episode, which is Joe Titman being named to the all rookie team as a center. So one of the best centers, uh, for especially for for rookies, in 2023. I thought he had an up-and-down rookie year, but overall, very promising. He allowed uh, three sacks, 20 pressures in 14 games. He played three games at right guard, then played the other 11 at center. Eight penalties is a little bit on the higher side. That's something that he absolutely has to clean up. I think even he would admit that. But Oh, and also the he has to improve uh, with his shotgun snaps. Sometimes they could run a little high. Um, it happened a couple of times this year. But overall, promising rookie season from him. And a pick that was very criticized in August when Joe Tittman was running with the threes. And it was, oh, my God, they should have, should have taken John Michael Schmitz. And this kid is, you know, going to be running with the third stringers and practice squad guys. He can't even surpass, you know, Connor McGovern and Wes Schweitzer and guys like that. And lo and behold, he ends up starting uh, his first game in week three. So that didn't last very long. He had a very, very good preseason. So he climbed up the depth charts Uh, and obviously clearly he did not have the same rookie season that a guy like sauce Gardner had because sauce won defensive rookie of the year and was an all pro. But if you go back with this regime, it's something that they do. They make all their rookies earn it. Like sauce Gardner was not originally a starter, which was crazy. You knew that on week one, he was going to end up being a starter and he was, and he was great all year, but kind of the same thing with Joe Titman is it, it took him a little bit. Um, and again, the, the entirety of the offensive line wasn't pretty. And some of his numbers, like they're not eye popping, like, oh my God, this guy's a stud right now. But I think he showed that he was capable at two positions at guard or center. I would just let him be and, you know, let him be at center. Um, That's, you know, where he was drafted to be. But I would make that choice this year, kind of like what they want to do with Elijah Vera Tucker. They want to decide if he's a tackle or if he's a guard, right? What do you do with Elijah Vera Tucker? They should do the same thing with Joe Tipman. Uh, because while it's so nice that he could bounce around and play different spots on the offensive line, getting just the same unit out there and playing together every week and building chemistry like that stuff matters. They played 17 games this year, and how many different offensive line combinations did they have? You know, that's going to impact line play also. So, Titman, either figure it out. Do you want him to play center? Do you want him to play right guard? Pick one and then let him go from there. Showed signs is a really good run blocker. Probably could get, improve a little bit in pass protection. No denying that, but a promising rookie season. And he was the first center off the board and taken over John Michael Schmidt. So, Joe Douglas, you know, went outside the box with that one. And obviously, this is not you know victory lapping and saying that he's going to be, you know, he's going to the Hall of Fame and JMS is a bust. That's not that's not true. Uh, that's not the case. But there is a reason why the Jets liked Joe Tittman so much. He was younger uh, than JMS. He's more athletic than JMS. JMS older, more pro ready. That's that was my take on it at the time. Uh, but they loved Tittman's athleticism. And I think he showed that off in his rookie season uh, and showed why. He has a chance to be a very good starter for this team for a long time, which they need that, man. It would be really nice to just find a long-term starting offensive lineman because it feels like there's just so much turnover with this offensive line. Ever since they lost, you know, DeBrigashaw uh, DeBrigashaw Ferguson retires after 2015. Mangold retires after 2016. And ever since then, from 2017 to now, They've just been, it's been a rotating cast of characters. They've been trying to find long-term answers across the offensive line, and they really haven't been able to do it. They haven't. They spent, you know, a, a first-round pick on Mekhi Becton. He's probably not coming back. Elijah Vera Tucker was a first-round pick. I love AVT, love AVT, but this line is still not fixed yet. And they've spent, you know, a, Joe Timman, a second-round pick, they've, put a lot of draft assets and they paid money in freeze they paid up for Lake, a boatload of money for Lake and Tomlinson they brought in Dwayne Brown on a one year deal you know they've done things but they haven't brought in the right pieces and that is something that has to change and I'm hoping that Joe Titman is and Elijah Tucker, those two young guys are a part of this team for a very very long time going forward I think both of those players are uh, going to be important pieces Uh, To This team and hopefully they stay healthy. So with that, let's get into your voicemails for this week. We will first go out to PG from Long Island. He wants to talk about all the reasons why the Jets aren't in the playoffs. Okay, let's go.
1: Hello, Matt O'Leary, PG from Long Island calling you on Friday night before the playoff games. But of course, I'm calling about the Jets and the Jets are not in the playoffs. No. Uh, I'm calling him a couple of reasons why and first reason is Robert Sala he stinks he's in over his head as the head coach the team constantly gets out coached. they get blown out and they come unprepared he's just he's in over his head in my opinion as a head coach I understand the mulligan that Johnson gave both him and Douglas because of the Aaron Rodgers injury and the Aaron Rodgers influence but um, the fact is, you know, we have another year. Let's see what happens. I'm not optimistic. Uh, speaking about Joe Douglas, I've been a big supporter of his, but his tenure with the Mets with the Jets has been like a, a microcosm of the Bryce Huff situation. He signed Bryce Huff as an undrafted free agent. Great move, developed him, and now they're going to lose him. He's not going to be signed with the Jets. He's made that clear. The best they can do is hope for a tag and sign Trade, which is going to be hard to pull off. Maybe they can get a second round uh, pick and face some face, but that's going to be difficult. Let's see what happens. Um, Douglas started off great. The Sam Darnold trade, the Adams trade, great, great work. 2022 draft, of course, tremendous. But here's the thing uh, he's just lately he has stumped the uh, free agent signings, the guys from Dallas, Dow- from a Green Bay, the guy from Kansas City, and you can blame, don't blame the Green Bay guys on Aaron Rodgers because it's Douglas's decision. The, uh, the the Dalvin Cook signing, horrible. Uh, having Wilson as a backup quarterback not bringing somebody else in, horrible. Relying on an injured, off-injured and really just underperformed uh, tackle this year plus a 38-year-old tackle who never really made the field. Um, except for the first couple of games, just horrible. He's just done a bad job lately as the GM. And again, um, started off really well, I'm very optimistic, but the things he's done lately has made me scratch my head. And unfortunately I'm an optimistic Jets fan usually, but I think a year from now we're going to be, I'll be calling you and we'll be talking about who to bring in as the GM and then after that the coach. Maybe maybe Aaron Rodgers can save the day. Let's hope for it, but really, um, I'm not really expecting much. I think we're going to be back uh, here next year looking for new leadership. Um, anyway, your thoughts on that, and as always, go Jets.
0: Yeah, P.G., I really appreciate that. I uh, appreciate the call in there. Uh, and you bring up some good points. Like Robert Sala, I don't think, has shown enough growth at head coach, which is frustrating because I think he's an easy person to root for. He's a likable guy, which is a big difference and a big change from Adam Gase. Like, Adam Gase was bad and unlikable. Robert Sala has been bad, but mostly likable. And he did a fantastic job with the defense. You know, an elite unit the last two years. Defensive staff is built out really nice, but still way, 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 way too conservative. Uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball His game management can use work. Uh, there's been times where they've been unprepared to play in pretty much must win games last year in Seattle on the road. big big example of that this past year uh, in Miami got blown out. So there's a couple of times where you know they were put in a big spot. this team was in a big spot and they came out flat and they did not play you know very good at all. So um, that's absolutely a red flag. I do think that and you were fair with this PG. So, you know, I'm not saying uh you, I'm just saying in, in general, in general, I feel like although it's starting to change more recently, but it felt like for a while that you had Robert Sala as the scapegoat and Joe Douglas like he was fu- he was fine, it was just was really the coach. But this year, I look, I put a lot of the blame on Joe Douglas for the reasons that you stated. His plan on the offensive line and at backup quarterback were horrific. Horrific. All offseason and into the summer, I said that the offensive line is a very volatile position for this team. It has a chance where if everything breaks right, it could be good. Meaning Makai Becton stays healthy and goes back to playing like he did as a rookie. Elijah Vera Tucker is healthy. Uh Joe Tidman comes in and is good right away. You get uh Lakin Tomlinson bounced back to where he was as a pro bowler, and Dwayne, a healthy Dwayne Brown, you know, is closer to what he looked like in his prime. But as I said they, they don't have they don't have a lot of wiggle room. It could either if everything breaks right, it could be an okay unit; they could be fine. I don't think they'll be great, but middle of the road. And if the injuries start coming, and if things don't break right, it could go it can get ugly. And unfortunately, it did, and very very, very quickly. Dwayne Brown was horrible the first two weeks of the year. Then he goes on IR and is pretty much done. But that he was he wasn't ready and didn't practice for most of training camp. That was a big red flag. They didn't really do anything with Makai Becton until way late with him getting him starting reps. I know that they were trying to ramp him up. It was left side, then it was the right side, then it was the left side, and you know trying to figure that out. That wasn't ideal. You know, Max Mitchell. Billy Turner were getting cooked in training camp. That should have been a been a sign. Uh Lincoln Tomlinson did not improve. He was streaky at best. There were some there was a stretch where he was okay at some points. Uh, but I thought it started poor and ended poor. And Connor McGovern got hurt and Joe Timmon was, you know, streaky as a rookie. And, you know, injuries take over, but the, the backup quarterback one, you know, the, you say that you got to reset Zach Wilson and then you have him be QB2 and it gets thrown out right back into the fire, which made zero sense, was not aggressive at all at the trade deadline or after Aaron Rodgers goes down to either bring in a quarterback or an offensive lineman or like any of that. so Oh, and also a great one that really wasn't referenced that I think is worthwhile to bring up is – after Corey Davis officially retires on the eve of the season does that stink yeah it does it it really stinks that that was the case but clearly something was going on with Corey Davis where he felt the need to step away and be with his family I respect that for him I'm not you know saying that you know Corey's a bad guy and none of that stuff Corey Davis is a respectable guy good human being he had something going on you know a, in his, in his personal life where he felt like he the, the need to step away from football and step away from a you know 10 million dollars. That's, that's a lot that you'd have to imagine that something serious is going on. And instead of pivoting and signing someone or trading for someone or doing anything, he goes, we're good with what you got. Randall Cobb had to play early in the year, wasn't very good. Uh, Alan Lazard becomes wide receiver too, did not play very well. And it goes on from there. So I, I think you know both those things are true. And I hope, really, really, really hope that a year from now we are not talking about who the next GM and coach is going to be for this team. I hope that Aaron Rodgers gets them to the playoffs and they win a playoff game because, look, I've been doing this a long time now. This is the f- fifth year that I've covered the Jets on YouTube. I've been doing content in some capacity since 2015 but we're talking, you know, small time website that, you know, I was writing blogs for and uh, doing video for in, in college. And I'd be like, Oh, like 50 people read my blog. That's awesome. And now like what, eight years, nine years later, it's became a full-time thing for me, which is just so insane. And I'm so blessed for that, but we've, we've covered a lot of bad football is the point. I mean, this, on YouTube really picked up and, 2019, when Adam Gase was hired, and into 2020, which I thought was, I thought that would be the floor and that would be the worst that it would get. But they haven't made the playoffs still. They have the longest active streak in the NFL of missing the playoffs. So that has to, has to end. It has to end. Let's close out. We got one more phone call, another voicemail. Peter from the beautiful Hudson Valley wants to talk offensive line. Peter, what do you got?
2: Hey Matt, it's Peter from up in the beautiful Hudson Valley, warmer Hudson Valley this week uh, ahead than last week's Colts now. Uh, talking about the offensive line this week, uh, right ahead of time with the first goal, so hopefully I'll get it in this time. Um, I'd like to see the Jets get two players in free agency, one okay. Aluminor or Wenu at tackle and fill one of the tackle positions right away. But I think they could cut Lincoln Tomlinson and save at least eight million dollars, and bring in someone cheaper and better in either Ezra Cleveland or Dalton Reisner, and that would fill the left guard position. Then you get to the draft, and at ten, if um, Fashana or Flaga is available, you draft one of them, and you get a you know if you a tackle that's going to be there for like the next 10, 12 years. And I also think one of your mocks had uh, the Jets taking Zach Zinter. Yep. So he'd be a nice backup guard option that can sit for a season or two and possibly come in because maybe only sign uh, Cleveland or Reisner for, you know, one year, you know, on a cheap deal. So I think that would get the line pretty much set from Illuminor, Cleveland or Reisner, Tipman, AVT, and then Safe Lager for Sean at right tackle. And that would take care of everything. Obviously, he still needs some quality backups. It seems Mekhi Beckton might still be under contract to the Jets because he's not listed as a free agent on one of the sites i see. Um Either way, if, let's say, he is a free agent, uh, as most expect, maybe he comes back on a cheap deal and becomes you know proper swing tackle for the Jets just because nobody else wants to sign him. But I really would also want to see him play right tackle and be a road grader with ABT on the right side you know, for the run game. Yeah. Um, Of course, the other thing I think that we need to prioritize, and you've mentioned it as well as others, pay Bryce. Please. Please, Joe Douglas, pay him and get him back. We need him. He should be on the defensive line next year and going for the next three or four years going forward. Uh, So hopefully we'll see how those things shake out. As always, go Jets.
0: I appreciate it, Peter. Thank you so much for checking in. Yeah, Makai, so they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, so this is after his fourth year. He will be a free agent. I am very very curious to see what happens with Makai. I would be surprised if the Jets bring him back. I don't think they do. I think someone will pay him close to 10 million on a 1-year deal and say we could fix him. We could, you know, we saw flashes as a rookie. Last year was just on a really bad offensive line. We're going to he's, he's going to play either left or right tackle somewhere. I think someone will pay up. That's, you know, that's how it goes in free agency. Plus with his response or yeah i guess his response or take on keith carter and he's still here unless keith carter is going to get fired in the next uh few weeks here we just assume that keith carter is staying i don't know i don't know what that plan is um there or if he would want to come back and play for keith carter i love the all the names that you brought up in free agency as well and the draft i think make a lot of sense some some takes and some changes that I would some slight changes that I would make I at tackle there's not a ton of tackle free agents that I like but you mentioned two who I think will be a little bit cheaper than uh, Tyron Smith who is 33 years old that has missed a ton of time due to injury David Bakhtiari who's missed a ton of time due to injury uh, Trent Brown who's a little overrated and has missed time due to injury uh, Luminor and on uh, are Two guys who I think would be a touch on the cheaper side and should be able to play right tackle, I think, pretty comfortably. If the Jets draft Fashanu, he's going to start at left tackle. He has two years starting experience uh, at Penn State and is the most pass-pro-ready offensive tackle, I think, in this class. If it ends up being Fawaga, he is such a better run blocker, and I think he would probably have to play on the right side at least at first, that's not enough to deter me from taking him because, I mean, think about it. The last time this happened with the New York Jets, they pass on Tristan Wirfs, who was exclusively a right tackle at Iowa and then ends up playing an elite level at right tackle for a couple of years, switched over to left tackle, and guess what is still an elite player at left tackle. Um, so I wouldn't let that scare me off from drafting him. But if it came down to it, I did a video yesterday on this topic, if – the Jets are on the clock and both Fashanu and Fuaga are available and you're going you know you're taking an offensive tackle, right? I don't know how you pass on Fashanu. And I like Fuaga a lot. I'm very high on him. I, I think he would be worthy of the pick at pick number ten. If Fashanu isn't there and Alt isn't there, I would be comfortable drafting him. But I just think with Fashanu's pass pro, you know, ability to to where it is right now is impressive. And that's only going to get better. And while he's lacking a little bit in the run game, I think that's an area that he can improve. He's so young. He is so, so young. And to find someone who's that good, and let's be honest, pass pro is more important than run blocking in today's NFL. As much as I love those road graders, it's. Uh, I think that would be the move. But I appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in and calling into the episode. I appreciate it. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get the show either in audio form or on YouTube. Once again, I am Matt O'Leary and I'll catch you next time.